Hello and welcome to Fantasy Live Podcast, Week 8 Questions Edition. I'm your host, Dean Hartz. It's a great day to be great. It's a great day to talk ball with two of my favorite people, Dwayne The Rock McFarlane and Chris The Cincy Storm Chaser Allen. Oh my God, guys, it worked. I think we got it. I think we got it. I think it's solid enough. I mean, honestly, uh, when uh, Joe put like those nicknames and all that stuff in the chat GPT to figure it out, I was like, there were a few that I thought were pretty good. I like the ales and analysis, Alan, like part. Ooh. By the way, I'll take Cincy Storm Chaser. I, I dig it, man. It's it's better than having no nickname. I'll at least say that. Ales and I've had the rock for a year, but like, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll stick with that. That's like what people call me on Twitter now. Like, hey, Dwayne, it's at Dwayne McFarland, the, in parentheses, the rock. <laughs> Just call you Rock. It could be, you know, like the Rocky come up to as well, man. Just tons yeah. of applications. So if we haven't wasted enough time already with that nonsense, just want to thank all of you guys for listening today. As always, going through 10 of our biggest questions ahead of week eight. Don't have Golden Tate with us today, so not quite as cool, but that was a fun time indeed. Maybe just maybe we'll get him back on for the future. Let us know if you'd like to see that over there in the old comments section. But fellas, let's get into it. Starting off with question number one, what should fancy managers make of this evolving Bears backfield. Now, Dwayne, as we have seen over the past few weeks, no Khalil Herbert, who remains on IR, but also Roshan Johnson has now missed back-to-back games with a concussion. He did manage to start off Wednesday with a limited practice, and just because of that, we are now projecting him to probably suit up as he continues to clear the protocol. So, assuming, Dwayne, that we do see Roshan back, who was working out of Deontay Foreman before that initial concussion, what do you expect the split to look like ahead of a winnable Sunday night matchup against the Chargers? Well, I think the main thing is it will be a split. I think if we try to predict which way it's going to go, we would honestly be guessing. And anyone, you know, you would have to have like insider information to, to know that. Um, but I do know that Foreman played well enough that we probably still see him in the mix, even if Roshan is ready to go. And it does sound like he's going to be on track to make that to, to clear. So he has had one of these longer concussion things going on. But all the docs will still tell you, hey, once you're cleared, it doesn't really matter. You shouldn't have any sort of lingering effect. So we should expect like a fully healthy Roshan Johnson to be on the field. I think looking at the bears though, Ian, I know some people are hopeful that maybe Roshan can just take it over. I don't know that we're going to get that because they've even kept Darrington Evans involved for yeah. this, you know, past couple of games, honestly, like kind of low key more involved than what people probably even realize. Um, 39% of the rushing attempts last week for Darrington Evans. So he's had nine and 14 carries. So one of these two guys is going to be in that secondary role that the Bears love to have, and one will be in the lead role, but it's pretty close. Even last week, you had 16 carries for Foreman, 14 carries for Evans. The week week before, you had 15 and 9. So it'll be something similar to that. I think this first game, if I had to put a chip down, though, I'm going to go ahead and say let Foreman stay in the lead role. You work Roshan back in. But again, I don't have conviction around that. It could easily be Roshan in that lead role. I've got them ranked pretty close together. It won't surprise me if either one of them is the lead back. They should both be usable, though. Um, it's just going to be a little tougher because we don't have any teams on by. So they, they get pushed down the ranks a little bit because of that. I am with you, Dwayne, to the extent that like I don't have enough conviction here to rank either running back inside the top 24. You have Deontay Foreman as your RB25. I'm down there at RB29 over with the Fancy Life consensus ranks. You can find them at fancylife.com slash tool slash NFL dash rankings as always. So yes, the Darrington Evans factor could be annoying because again, we will take you know a 55-45 or a 50-50 split between Foreman and Roshan. But if all of a sudden that becomes that 40-40-20, you know, Denver Broncos sort of situation, 
situation, that's where things could get problematic. But yeah, shout out to Deontay Foreman, you know, small-ish sample size this year, but that said, among 53 qualified RBs, ninth in yards after contact per carry, 10th in missed tackles, force per carry, 8th in explosive rush rate. I mean, Chris, we saw it really with the Titans a couple years ago, with the Panthers last year, and now with the Bears, I mean, he can't keep getting away with this, but Foreman truly is putting forward some good football on the ground. Do you think he can keep that up, even with the teabag experience, maybe not going quite as well Sunday night as we saw last week against, let's face it, a pretty down-and-out Raiders team? Yeah, but I, I guess I think he can because if they were going to have go up against a tougher defense, let's say if they were facing the Chiefs or the like the Ravens or some other tough out and from a defensive standpoint, then I would say, yeah, let's go ahead and downgrade Foreman. Uh, let's see what Roshan can do in his time back or whatever. But we're not seeing that as of, like for this weekend, especially Chargers on the back end in terms of EPA per rush allowed to opposing offenses. So it could just be another day where both running backs, like both Roshan and Foreman, become at least effective from. Uh, from a running back perspective and then I guess it would be one thing if Roshan was more effective in the passing game and Foreman was more effective as as a runner so like the roles like their functions we could kind of delineate like that that sort of like from it from that standpoint we can't even do that I mean they're both fairly effective like from a yards per route run standpoint Foreman just this past week showed us what he can do from a receiving standpoint and Roshan also like to fairly effective like as um, as a receiver as well so I, i'm with Dwayne. it's tough to really like get a get a read on what that split is going to is going to look like and with both of them like projecting or being both like top five like top 10 in adjusted yards per carry yards per route run i mean insert whatever metric that you want to use I, we can't really get a gauge on what the usage is going to look like so i think it's a good problem for for the bears as of right now uh, assuming they're going to get like Herbert back after he comes off of IR, trade deadline looming. I mean, Dante Foreman, what was his salary? I think what they uh, like it was like 1.5 million. I think was his contract. Not high. Like, Not high. Right. So it's like, could the Bears be sellers and want to move off of him, like, considering like where their team is at as of right now, with only a week left to really try and make a move before the deadline? It's entirely possible at this point, since like we were just talking, Darrington Evans like did play like some sort of role there. So it's just I'm thinking about it as. From, from that standpoint where like Foreman has already been able to showcase some of it, like his skill set. And if the Bears want to try and recruit that and maybe move off him and get something back and look to 2024, they're already kind of doing that with Fields anyway. I mean, that's That could be a potential move for him. We might see Foreman elsewhere than just stuck in this three-headed monster. Again. For now, we'll see what happens between these players. Still going to be at least another two weeks with Khalil Herbert out of the picture. Once he gets back, though, guys, I really would think that he will have every opportunity to seize back that starting job because as much as we love Roshan and we have since the pre-draft process, I mean, just looking at some of the missed tackles force, the explosive run play rates, yards after contact, I mean, Khalil really is up there with anyone not named Devin Achan this year. So shout out to Khalil on really putting some good film out there before the injury. Here's to hoping he gets better sooner rather rather than later. All right, guys, question number two, what truths can we cling to inside the Arthur Smith experience? And I actually had this question going before we had Arthur Smith just go out on another tirade against fantasy football because, guys, anytime anyone asks a relevant usage, you know, just question, it can just be blamed on fantasy football because we apparently don't watch film and we just have no idea what goes on, you know, in real football, everyone. So just makes me uh, angry sometimes, guys, that now it's just like, 
fantasy football as a whole just catches the brunt of some of these stupid ass questions when in reality like if we actually want to go down that road and look at real nfl analysis versus fantasy like which one actually has to put rankings out there which one actually has to put you know our credibility on the line every week and can't just pull random all 22 clips and say i know ball each and every time out here so as you can tell i'm a little bit annoyed about this everyone and Dwayne, this is not the first time uh, i've gone on this rant i'm sure you're tired of it just like the listeners but man dude like, what is this? I'm tired of hearing about if Tyler Algier has the hot hand, he's going to get touches. Tyler Algier is averaging two fewer yards per carry than Bijan this season. I'm tired of hearing about Bijan not being a problem because they're winning football games. This offense ranks 29th in scoring. They're winning in spite of Arthur Smith, not because of Arthur Smith. And then, now we're even getting the whole thing where, hey, if you just take away Desmond Ritter's backbreaking turnovers, of which he has more than pretty much anyone in the league, he's actually playing great football, guys. So... Dwayne, just thoughts on the Falcons, man. I'm infuriated with every single position group. John U. Smith is outscoring <laughs> Kyle Pitts. It's week eight. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, um, look, I thought that Rotopat, Patrick Doherty uh, from over that was at was Sports, oh, he, killed it. he had yeah. a great excerpt from one of his articles on this. Denny Carter reposted it, and I happened to see it, and I retweeted it instantly. I'm not going to reread the whole thing, but essentially everything's about Arthur Smith's scheme, you know, and he's trying to come up with, how do you get into the mind of Arthur Smith? And he's like, well, you know, he's used to coaching with one hand tied behind his back, you know? And so now he's like in this spot where he actually has all these weapons and all these toys. And he, you don't really have to do that anymore. Arthur Smith. Like there are times when you've got to, you've got to come up with these creative ways to, to manufacture yards, but he's not the only coach we've seen do that. Like we're, we've got like, Sean Payton doing that to an extent right now over in Denver, not wanting to get Marvin Mims on the field. Got to get Talil McLaughlin involved, even though we get Javante Williams playing good. And look, McLaughlin's been good. So I don't want to like go like too far off on a tangent here, but we see a lot of coaches do this. And a lot of times I do think it can be some of the ones that are actually smarter. We've talked about Arthur Smith many times, even though he super, super, super annoys us in fantasy because of the way he uses the players. You don't have to make it so hard, Arthur Smith. Just put your best players out there. And oh, guess what? You can take your argument about how you're trying to win games and just flush it down the toilet, man. The way you win games is having the best players on the field. Sorry, big freaking newsflash, you narcissistic SOB. That's what you are. You're a complete narcissist. Like, I'm at that point with you. Everything is about you. Everybody else is stupid. You're smart. Your dad owned FedEx. My dad didn't. I get it. You're probably smarter than me. But some things you can really keep easier than this. But to the main point, Ian, which is like, what do fantasy managers do? I don't think we can really give them anything because Smith's going to continue to do this. But the players he have, he has on his team, they're so good. You can't, what are you going to do? You're going to cut them? You can't cut Drake London. You can't cut Bijan Robinson. You can't, you can't bench Bijan Robinson. You can hardly bench Kyle Pitts. You know, you're definitely not cutting Kyle Pitts. So it's a very frustrating situation because these are some of the most talented players in the league at their positions. Drake London, I have no doubt if he played on the Bills right now, would be a top 12 option, even with Stefan Diggs on the team. That's how good Drake London is. Like, he would be one of the best receivers in fantasy football. Put this guy with Patrick Mahomes. Heck, you don't even have to take an extreme like that. Just put him with Kirk Cousins. You know, I mean, this go. guy would be a baller. So yeah. I, I really think that there's a lot of talent here, but I don't think we can expect anything, anything other than Arthur Smith to keep doing what he's doing. I think the only hope we would have of this changing would be if Arthur Smith was somehow blessed with an elite super quarterback then maybe it would be enough because then the quarterbacks on the field can be like nah 
I'm out here. I'm a good player. I'm going to Drake London. Eat it. Eat it, Arthur Smith. Like, that could be the one thing that could happen, and it would be going so well that Arthur Smith wouldn't be able to do anything about it because they would just be winning games because of all the talent. So, sad to say, I don't think I can give you any super great evidence. You've got to hold on to these players. You're going to have to keep playing them. Unfortunately, they're going to be more fringy than what we want them to be. Like, Bijan should be a top three running back. He's probably just not going to be one. I mean, that's we just have to live with it. Kyle Pitts should be a top six tight end. He's going to be a fringe top 12 guy. Uh, Drake London should be a top 24 receiver. You're going to have to live the life of he's a low-end wide receiver three that's boom bust. It just is what it is at this point. It's the thing that irks me with some of it, like there are legitimate reasons for some optimism here because yeah there are so many great players as you mentioned it Dwayne and you can look at things like the ringers Benjamin Solik point out the Falcons are fifth in offensive EPA loss to turnovers this year Nate Tice who grinds more film than anyone does great stuff with the athletic you know he's just pointing out that Ritter like you watch him and he's usually going through the sort of progressions you want to see him go to so if you can assume which I don't think we can assume don't most quarterbacks go through their progressions correctly I mean that's my thing man that's my thing I like if we're going to do that why can't we just say like take away the sacks and Sam Howell's great. You know, take away the first 45 minutes of every game and Kenny Pickett is great. Baker Mayfield is avoiding sacks, like allowing pressures not to become sacks at a level that is the closest we're seeing other than Patrick Mahomes. And no one cares because it's Baker Mayfield and we've seen enough of him to know that he is not going to be this incredible quarterback. So, Chris, I just feel like, man, it's so much just trying to figure out like ways to not critique these guys sometimes when... I think it's deserved out here. And, you know, I've gone on and on about this, but Chris, I guess the bigger question, the more fancy relevant question is like, can this change for the better in fantasy land? Because even though this is still the 32nd ranked offense in terms of pass rate over expected this mm-hmm. year, we are seeing three straight pretty appetizing matchups against the Titans, the Vikings, and the Cardinals who rank 29th, 22nd, and 30th in EPA allowed per pass play. So again, to Dwayne's point, and I agree, volume's going to be annoying, but Chris, do you think we can find some way to maintain this high end efficiency? I mean, first off, I got to like, I'm sweating after all that heat that Dwayne <laughs> was putting out there just a couple minutes ago. My, my God. Hey, uh, I want to say one more thing, Chris. Yeah, go off to those people that come at come at us, Ian, about like the film stuff. And you watch a ton of film. I watch. I let the data lead me to the film I need to watch. I'll just say this: there are definitely film grinders out there that I listen to. There are great people. There's Matt Waldman. There's Jay Moyer. There's all the people at the Athletic. I mean, there are a lot of people that watch a lot of film that I respect and I watch because I I love like the content they put out and they make me smarter. But to the average person that comes to you and says they watch film, I don't care. Like, I will honestly say I could watch zero film, zero, for two years, and I can tell you more about football than what most people that tell me they watch film do. And that's, again, mm-hmm. there are a lot of good film people out there, so I want to give them respect. They are not included in this conversation. The average person that watches football I honestly think they get way more from just looking at the data. Now, I like the world where both of these things come together, and that's that spot where we want to be, where we get to the best analysis possible out there. But come on, some of you guys need to give me a break with the stuff that, oh, you you don't have eyes or you don't watch the film. I I don't even respond to you anymore, but my response in my mind is, I don't need to watch the film to know more about it than you. So there. Tell him. Mic drop. You, you mic drop. Him. Just throw yeah. the mic off the wall, Dwayne. <laughs> I mean, just like, Dwayne, just shut it down, man. Just shut it down. You're, you're done. <laughs> just log off. Podcast. Okay. Yeah, just log off. And just Sorry, roll Chris. Out. It's a little yeah, more you, heat, though. For Now, you, now it's all yours. Like, it. you can calm everybody down. What am I supposed to say after that? Well, I would say that from a from a fantasy standpoint, there to and Dwayne mentioned it earlier, 
we can't expect anything to change. I mean, it's not just from Arthur Smith's stint as the the head coach like here in Atlanta. He kind of showed us this when he was still in Tennessee. Now, I know Derrick Henry, you know, the big dog and rushing king, like when he was going on, he had over like 70% of the team's rushing share. And that was with, but I would think about the guys that were working behind him. It was what, like Deion Lewis, Jeremy McNichols. I mean, and also, I think it was like Darrington Evans, like for, for yep. a hot second as well. So, but think about the pass catchers. I mean, that was when AJ Brown was still there, but getting like less than 20% target share. And then like, see what he's doing, like in Philadelphia right now. I mean, Johnny Smith, like who was still coming up in the ranks from a, from a tight end perspective, but it was still like Michael Pruitt, like working behind him, the Ferk daddy, like doing stuff every now and again. So like, we've seen Arthur Smith do this shit before, like where it's like, we know these guys are good. Like we know that they are high end target earners. They are they are good. Like they're good football players. But yet, you're still going to insist on throwing out Corey Davis like ahead of AJ Brown. Like for you know. But come on. So it is not much of a surprise to me. Now thinking about it, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, and just thinking about it in hindsight. It is not a surprise to me the fact that he has these. I mean Maseratis, these Ferraris, like at his disposal. But yet I'm going to go. Uh, he's he'll just rather give Mac Hollins targets. He's going to instantly, instantly trade for Van Jefferson after he becomes available, like from the Rams, like Dutton. Well, stuff that's like just that. because Mac talked bad about his quarterback. That probably, that's probably that, it. But that's why. Yeah. Like, sorry, it is a tangent it, it, here, but Mac Hollins is not playing stuff. now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's stuff like that where it's like. No other like sane or rational person just looking at the situation objectively from the outside would be like, yeah, these are good moves. I understand it. So if we can't understand it, we're all labeled as dunce cats, you know, as dunces for even think or suggesting otherwise that, oh, we should get Drake London, the good wide receiver that you draft to highly more targets. No, 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 no. Like, let's let's get these other guys involved and set. Oh, how about you use Bijan Robinson a bit more? Well, Tyler Algier had like a really good rookie season. And he was like somewhat efficient down the back end of his, of, you know, of his first year. So let's give him more touches, too. No, 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 no. Like, but that that's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. So Arthur Smith has shown us to be this way and to think this way and to to act like on on whatever tendencies and the scheme that he thinks that he has. So if there's nothing else that we can do from this point, I agree with Dwayne. You're still rolling out Drake London and what's going to be like advantageous matchups for the next couple of weeks. If Bichon's out there, you're starting him. And for the contingent value, you have to hold on to Tyler Algier just in case Bijan gets hurt, God forbid, or has another headache. Then that would be the guy that you want to start instead. So those other pieces that you have from that Atlanta offense, you, you got to hold them for right now. It's just... I just don't even know who these people are out there. Maybe they are just, you know, NPCs. They don't even actually exist where it's like, can you imagine sitting on the couch with someone and being like, man, you know, that's, that's pretty weird. Bijan Robinson, like doesn't have a single touch in 45 minutes. And they're just like, shut the hell up. You're not Arthur Smith. You haven't been what he's been through. You don't know yeah. what it's like to run an NFL team. Like we're questioning usage. I don't think it's something that's only reserved for NFL coaches, but guys, we could go six hours on this. Most likely I know Dwayne could probably go seven. So let's just go ahead, put that to bed and, you know, maybe go a little more optimism. What's more optimistic than talking some Steelers, baby question. Number three, will Kenny Pickett and company ever supply some true booms we got our guy deontay johnson back george pickens has been balling Dwayne, you've talked a lot about just the bigger more pronounced route tree he's been running this year and really doing good things with it and we actually have seen this offense operate at a very high level in the fourth
fourth quarter. That's pretty much it. I mean, Kenny Pickett this year, you can look at any stat you want. Yards per attempt, adjusted completion rate, passer rating. He goes from a legit bottom five quarterback in the NFL to one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL over the final 15 minutes of action. And this really hasn't been in garbage time. Like, they've only had... Two losses this year. The Steelers are inexplicably 4-2 and two when they got killed by the Texans and they got killed by the 49ers. Like, Pickett didn't even throw a touchdown in those fourth quarters. So, something really is changing in these final 15 minutes. Dwayne, do you have any hope in Matt Canada and Pickett finding a way to make that look like, you know, just a more large portion of the games? Because, again, this isn't just the prolonged sucking all the time. This is Kenny Pickett legitimately averaging the most yards per attempt in the NFL over the final 15 minutes, making some legit big-time throws. Rose, you know, back shoulder fades to George Pickens. We've seen all these pieces on offense at various times display some legit high level talent. Can they get it going for more than just a quarter, though? I don't know. I mean, it's going to have to come from Matt Canada because yeah. their drop back rate over expectation, like the lesson to the last four games, minus 8%, minus 10%, minus 5%, minus 10%. Not like they're, 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 they're pushing in on the Falcons. They're trying to get to Falcons territory. Their best weapons are their receivers. They got a young quarterback they need to find out about, but they want to scratch out these wins. And that's what happens sometimes when you have these. And look, no discredit to like Mike Tomlin. Like he's doing what he thinks he needs to do to win NFL games. And then you have an, you have a, an offensive coordinator that's not an innovator that basically just says, hey, go line up and do your thing. He's not sprinkling in a lot of these other things we see uh, from what we're getting in Detroit, what you get in San Francisco. Um, some of these more innovative schemes, that's not what you get when you're dealing with the Steelers. And they just operate pretty slow as well. Like their plays per minute over expectation is below the league average. So there's a lot of restraints. There's a governor that they have in place on Kenny Pickett. And I would be interested to know what would happen if they would maybe loosen that up. You don't have to fully like just throttle him all the way. You don't have to like peg the odometer, you know, or peg the speedometer with, you know, Pickett, but like just letting him play a little bit more. Um, in the passing game. And this is a team that doesn't run a lot of plays every game. Like you put all this stuff together and there's just a lot of constraints on the Steelers offense. But I think the talent is there. I think George Pickens, to your point, has shown like getting to using him in a broader route tree. He's good. You get Deontay Johnson back last week. We also know he's really good. Now, Pat Fryermuth is on IR for the next four games. So we'll see what happens there. But I think having two nice pass weapons has shown to be able to crack most NFL defenses. It's very rare you run into a defense that's going to be good enough to hold down two really good wide receivers. And I think that the Steelers have that right now. So there's always a chance when you have something like that of a coach waking up and there's this evolution that happens for them. But we've already been through the bye week on the Steelers. And that's when that usually happens. That's when you get some of the new wrinkles. That's when you may open up a new part of the playbook, install a little, you know, some new things. And I don't know that that happened. Um, They definitely didn't change coming out of the buy as far as their approach to, you know, that drop back rate over expectations. So I I think as long as it's down to these two guys, you're still going to be fine from a fantasy perspective. I think you can look at Deontay Johnson and George Pickens as like wide receiver twos. But it's going to be hard for them to both ever blow up in the same game. And it's all going to probably be one of those where if one blows up, the other one probably is like a wide receiver three at best, unless they open things up. For a team that, again, does want to be like the Falcons, they want to establish the old run. Like, why would you just not be pairing this off with more play action? And this has been the most infuriating part Uh, to me about the Matt Canada era, because, you know, the whole Ben Roethlisberger thing, I get that. The dude's been so successful for 15 years. You're not just, you're not going to change the offense. But like Mason Rudolph literally came out that next offseason. I just looked up his quote again and he said, 
Matt Canada, he's a play action guy. He's a push the ball down the field kind of guy. No, he is not. The Steelers ranked 31st, 29th, and 30th in play action right now over these three seasons. And this year is coming in spite of Pickett posting legit top six numbers in adjusted completion rate and passer rating on play action passes. So, Chris, I mean, again, it's just infuriating because, I, again, I think we all agree that these are some talented pieces in this offense. Offensive line isn't helping. They've been banged up, but they've also allowed the third highest pressure rate in the league. But any optimism Chris moving forward because it's just surprising to me looking at our you know fantasy life rankings surprising just again based on the talent not that I disagree with it but none of George Pickens Deontay Johnson Najee Harris or Jalen Warren are even cracking the top 24 at their respective positions no and if the plays aren't going to be there to Dwayne's point then why should we expect any of that to change I think overall the personnel I think is there outside of let's say if let's say if uh, Najee Harris had or they had a different running back that had a bit more speed like if they could feature I don't know isn't their backup running back like fairly good from an explosive standpoint yeah, but that's a whole other that's that's a whole other argument uh, but over like since Kenny Pickett has started I mean how many times have they gone over 350 just 350 total yards of offense just six times. 250, more than 250 passing yards, like just twice, like for Kenny Pickett. And like once was in that Buffalo game last year where he had like 350, something like that, which is kind of wild to think about because they don't get one. They typically don't wind up getting pushed to do it. I mean, their defense has been one of the stronger teams, uh, stronger defensive units like in the league, which is okay. But still, you would hope that your offense would be able to push like other, you know, you kind of put other teams like in that sort of responsive type mode so that they're actually, they can have that sort of back and forth type action, like in a single game. We just haven't seen that from Pickett. And I don't really expect it to. Uh, what's the, I believe there's a, stay, a saying from a uh, Sig Bloom saying like teams take on the identity of their like head coach and also their quarterback. And with Tomlin being one of those guys that has been, well, we're just going to win. We're going to grind out these wins. Like we're going to get to 500 like each season. Uh, we're going to grind out these wins. And that's really the identity of the of that team. It doesn't matter if it's going to be 300 yards, 400, 450 yards, or just 150 yards. As long as they get the W, they're not going to take any sort of introspective look to say, hey, we could do this better. or We could just be more high flying or we could just be more productive in general. So without that really taking, taking place, without us seeing more creativity, them even thinking about moving on from Matt Canada, I think you just have to, I guess, gauge your expectations for the offense based off what you've seen so far. The standard is the standard. After all, I will shout out, uh, you know, fancy life's betting. Matthew Friedman on our flagship show yesterday. Dwayne, he had that fire stat about the Steelers at home as underdogs under Mike Tomlin. They're like 16 and five against the spread or something I like that. So yeah, going to be there against the Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. So yeah, I understand why they're underdogs. I understand it's probably not going to be pretty. Also, wouldn't be surprised if Tomlin and company once again find a way to get it done. All right, guys, question number four. Now, these ones a little bit more quick hitting. Does Jordan Addison suddenly deserve weekly must-start treatment? Chris, we'll start with you, man, because as great as he has been this year, I do pause a little bit when we kind of look at some of these players where they are just living on the touchdowns because if you look at Addison's pace this year, yes, I believe he is like a top 15 wide receiver in PPR per game scoring, but he's only, you know, relatively on pace for 70 catches, 971 yards, and 15 touchdowns out there. Over these past two weeks without Justin Jefferson, we've actually seen TJ Hawkinson have more total targets and KJ Osborne is remaining involved as well. So, Chris, do you think we've seen enough out of Addison? Again, that blow up game in prime time against the 49ers to just, you know, set him in the roster and forget about it? Because right now, just in the fancy life rankings, man, he's going anywhere from wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 27, which, as we know, can be the difference between a start or a sit. 
Yeah, and uh, to your point, I, I, I put him in the, yes, you're probably going to want to start him on a weekly basis, just given what we've seen so far. A couple of hangups. Uh, to your point, the target share for him. I would have thought, like, if I went like just looked at the numbers and just been like, okay, hey, he doesn't have Justin Jefferson there. This is one of the more pass-friendly, pass-heavy type offenses. I mean, their, uh, their password over expectation actually kicked up, I think, from 4% over the first four weeks with Justin Jefferson, past couple of weeks up to 6%. So they're passing more, but... Uh, but like his target share, Addison's target share, just north of 20%. I would expect it to be at least in line with some of the wide receiver ones in the league, 24, 25%. Now I get he missed some time in that primetime game last week. So that might be part of it. But still, without seeing like more for him from a volumetric standpoint, that's at least some somewhat of a concern. But overall, I think from a football standpoint, I mean, the things that like we want to see from rookies, and he's been there. He's been there like Kirk Cousins' go-to guy, like on third and fourth downs, creating more first downs, actually uh, sharing some of the load that TJ Hawkinson had done throughout most of the 2022 season. So it could be just that development curve. It's only been two months into the season. There might be, there is some time for him to continue to ascend from that standpoint. So while we've seen the explosives like so far that have been, I guess, the largely, like we can credit some of his production largely to that. Uh, and also I think one of the other parts to, uh, to at least take into account is the fact that they haven't had any rushing touchdowns yet, which is kind of odd. So you would think if there is some sort of regression from that standpoint, that might take away from Madison's production. But overall, if he's still gonna be Kirk Cousins' go-to guy, uh, if like on third and fourth downs, key situations, once they get into the red zone, they're still looking for him. I think he is in that must start territory, but I think it's just like, I say yes, but just like slight, like it's almost like saying, uh, you know, the majority is like 50.1% of something. Right. So it's like, I, I still consider him a must start, but I'm still have some concerns for Addison. It's one of those things though, where like, again, the target shares and stuff are not as high as we want it to be, but the meat on the bone is I think a lot more than anyone expected this year, particularly yeah. just without having Justin Jefferson there. I mean, right now guys, there's three quarterbacks with over 2000 passing yards and 15 touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tagovailoa, and Kirk Cousins out here. Again, I think we've been fair to him, you know, throughout the history of the Fantasy Life podcast and everything, but just legit top three passing numbers, that is surprising me. So, Dwayne, when you look at Addison, maybe not having such sky-high utilization numbers, I mean, Justin Jefferson could be back sooner rather than later, out for at least the next two games. Do you lean Addison more as someone like, what are we freaking out about, guys? He's an upside rookie wide receiver, only going to get better. Just start him and forget about it. Or could this maybe be a sneaky sell high opportunity i think it could be sneaky sell high but for the next two games he is must start he's low end wide receiver too i mean that's what he is he had a 30 percent targets per route uh, run on monday it would have been higher as far as his target share it was 24 percent, but he had the cramps in the fourth quarter i mean he was on pace to have a 30 percent target share game um, without sure. justin jefferson on the field so he's been a little bit lackluster as far as his target earning ability so far this year but again to your point in rookie still coming on we often don't see them break out until the second half of the year uh kj osborne i would contest your uh thought that he's still involved like i kj osborne's about as uninvolved as you can be 15 targets target. versus 11 that's all i'm saying 14 targets per route run that sucks so like it's just a matter of time probably before addison completely just dusts him off which it's really kind of already happened kj osborne takes care of himself um, but like the big thing for me with Addison is this guy broke out as a freshman with a 25% target share and his sophomore season, he had a 28% target share. And this guy didn't just earn like little crappy targets. He was, when you look at him against press man playing outside in college, 
Against Power 5 competition, he had a 28% targets per route run, right? So that was six best of Power 5 wide receivers over the course of his career. So my comp for him was Deontay Johnson, you know, in the Fantasy Life Supermodel, and I think that's what we're starting to see. But he's getting a little bit more downfield usage than what we've seen from Deontay Johnson, which really gets more used intermediate, you know, areas of the field. Now, some of that was due to Roethlisberger getting some deeper stuff now with Kenny Pickett. But I, I think you have to look at him as a top 24 for now. Now, if somebody wants to pay you like he's a top 24 for the rest of the season, and you know he's probably more like a low-end wide receiver three that's boom-busty once you get Justin Jefferson back, well, then, yeah, I would take that. It's funny. Like, people think when you say you would sell on someone, you don't like them. Now, there are certain players I actually like that I will trade away as much as it may suck if you get the right value in return, just like there are players I may not absolutely love, but there are times when I would still buy them. So this is one of those situations where I love, I love Jordan Addison, but if you get the right deal, yeah, you can still move on from him. Love the Deontay Johnson comp in there. Addison has been a bit more friendly, you know, with the end zone, I will say. 648 days since Deontay Johnson has found the end zone for those counting at home. That is a sheesh from me. So good stuff, fellas. Let's go ahead and move on now. Are these talented second-year wide receivers going to turn things around down the stretch? Had five guys I just wanted to shout out because other than George Pickens and even Romeo Dobbs, really just a lot of misses, you know, just in this overall. Talented, I still believe that, but under Wyoming, let's just, you know, call a spade a spade here, second year wide receiver class. So I'm not going to harp on Christian Watson, Traylon Burke, or Jameson Williams just with the injuries and suspension. Haven't really had a chance to go out there, but man, guys, Garrett Wilson, preseason ADP wide receiver nine, current wide receiver 24 in PPR points per game. Alave was the wide receiver 12. He's performing as a wide receiver 26. London's 26, 37. Jahan Dotson, wide receiver 35, performing as a wide receiver 71. Sky Moore isn't even a top 85 wide receiver right now so Dwayne I know you've uh, gone out there and talked a bit about Chris Olave still being a buy low candidate how are you balancing again what is just ridiculous wide receiver one worthy utilization with the reality that we do still have to deal with the Derek Carr experience under center yeah I don't think the Derek Carr experience is really that bad I mean 65 percent of his targets have been catchable and that's really all that we care about so I know there's been some unrealized air yards that's adding to the fact that he's not performing at what we would think he as high as we think that he would perform but i mean 9.6 targets per game he's doing his part that's 26 percent target share 40 percent of the team's air yards those two things correlate those two things correlate more than anything else to fantasy points if you're looking for drivers for a wide receiver and then if you look at his involvement down inside the 10 yard line at the end zone so end zone targets 29 percent of the team's targets the two things that correlate most with touchdown scoring is your air yards and your end zone targets. So, I mean, he's getting all those things, but he's only got one touchdown on the season. I know that we occasionally get these guys where it's like, oh, the data looks good, but they're not going to be good. Well, you know what? Chris Olave was also a badass in college. He was good at Ohio State. He played with other great wide receivers. So every data point tells me that Chris Olave is good. In fact, if you look at the utilization history and you look at his talent profile, you put all that together, looking at the last 12 years of data, the average finish for a wide receiver performing the way Chris Olave has is wide receiver 11 with 17.1 fantasy points per game in a PPR. He's at 13.1 right now. It is very rare, guys, that you find a player with his kind of data points where you get a 4% delta. So that makes him a major, like, go get him now. And I know people will tell me all the time, man, Chris Olave is not available. My league. Go make a good trade, man. Don't offer the guys Zach Moss and Jahan Dotson and tell me they wouldn't accept your trade. Well, no crap, man. You got to go make a good trade offer. He's worth doing it. If you can buy him right now as a low-end wide receiver two, 
mid-range wide receiver two. You have you have mid-range wide receiver one upside. There are a ton of guys in this sample that I just talked to you about that had wide receiver three, four, and five finishes. The ceiling is still sky high for Alave, and I think Derek Carr is good enough to get him there. I was answering some questions in our office hours today, and we did kind of bring up buying, you know, low-ish on Chris Olave. I think we did have a more reasonable trade. I want to say Zach Moss was involved in there, but yeah, it wasn't freaking Jahan Dotson as the other yeah, guys. Man. People send you, on, so. you know, you get yeah. screenshots though, like of people being yeah. like, "Oh man, they turned this trade down." I'm like, "Yeah, they turned your trade down. It sucked. Your yeah. trade offer sucked. You offended the person. Now you can't <laughs> yeah. even get Chris Olave for a reasonable deal because you were, you know, just stupid in the first trade offer that you made." So, guys. I know you guys didn't do this. They're listening to the show, so I'm not complaining to you, but don't be that guy. It was DK Metcalf and, uh, you know, Zach Moss for Chris Olave. I think that was a little bit more uh, mature there. But yeah, to Dwayne's yeah, point, yeah. You can, that's, you can that's, even lose that's a, a good offer. That's a good fit. Yeah, that's a good offer. It's a good offer. It's a good offer. Chris, again, talk plenty about Olave, but just based on how these guys are priced right now, like if you have your fantasy team and need help at wide receiver, like who would you be most willing to bet on having a great second half at their kind of current value between Garrett, Alave, London, Dawson, and Sky Moore? And if it's, you know, just still Alave, that's fine. Christian Watson, throw his name in there. I want to hear Okay, first. that's fine. Watson, Traylon Burks, Jamison Williams, throw them all in there. Yeah, I would, I would actually, I'd st I'm still betting on Christian Watson. Nice. Uh, just, just thinking about, well, we'll have the conversation about the Packers offense in general. Uh, between him and Romeo Dobbs, I think Dobbs has the most systemic risk of having his like utilization start to change over the next like three, four games. Just because if they want to get that offense back on track, they can't live in this world with Love looking downfield, what, nine, ten air yards per target, uh, relying on just like contested catches and not really looking back to like the week one when it was yards after the catch it was trying to get explosives like off play action i mean and that's where christian watson was was really starting to cook uh so i, I think watson's probably like my my easiest bet like outside of alave london we already had that conversation about the falcons you're just going with what it is what it is with him at this point pickens i'm actually very surprised like to see him still holding on to the air yard share and target share with deontay johnson back Garrett Wilson. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers didn't, you know, bust his Achilles like after like four snaps, then we'd probably be having a different conversation about him. Because just from a utilization standpoint, air yard solid, target share solid. I mean, it's not like he would be top six. Yeah, he would, he would be, be top, top six. six if yeah, uh, yeah. If Aaron Rodgers was still there, I think we'd be having a slightly different conversation. Actually, probably not even slightly, a very much different conversation. Uh, about Garrett Wilson. So I still think that he's good. But just the other guys, I mean, I can't really say much about Burks. I mean, yeah, it is what it is. But, but the other guys like Sky Moore, even like Alec Pierce, uh, like Jalen Tolbert, I have no idea. Like he's, I think he's pretty much on a milk carton at this point, like in the Cowboys offense. Uh, I mean, but for and especially guys like Jahan Dotson, it's Jover, like for Jahan Dotson at this point. My Jover. man's out there still. I mean, he's out there battling with Logan Thomas and Curtis Samuel for touches. I mean, he's the, what is it? Was he the kick holder like for all those on special teams like last week, too? Like, no, I, I cannot abide by that. At this, like, Come on, Chris, let's not go back. That's a dark place. Do we have to that, go back? That, I can't. I, I, like, on, it's man. still, it's still, I, I still think it's still in my mind that this is like, this is the same regime that was doing this to Antonio Gibson, and now we're doing it with yet another potentially productive receiver after we just saw him like uh, all right whatever uh but yeah outside of those guys i think christian watson is probably the easiest outside of the guy that we discussed already in chris olave it's like if i were to project if we're talking having the same conversation let's say in, in a couple months it's like mid-december we're like yeah like these guys are solid like we should have been betting on them like back in mid-october late october uh in chris olave and christian watson 
Dwayne, even the most painful part about the whole Dotson thing too is like every single week when, you know, I go to utilization, you know, just the report hub and I go to the game logs and I just go through every team's position groups to make sure I'm not missing any, you know, big utilization changes. And I get to Washington and, you know, it's like that, uh, it's like that speech and, uh, you know, um, oh my gosh, that old uh, Matt Damon uh, movie about the janitor where it's like, you know. Oh, this, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, Goodwill yeah. Hunting. Like I feel like Ben Affleck, like getting up to the utilization report door and I'm like, you know what the happiest part of my day is? Those five seconds before I go over to the Washington wide receivers and I just think, no, you're not even going to be there. You're going to be down to 0% routes. Diami Brown's going to take your place. You're just gone. But nope, I show up and there is Jahan Dotson still running 86% routes. We can't <laughs> quit on him yet. I wish we could. Moving on. It's not your fault. Yeah, it's not your fault. Moving on, question number six. Is Calvin Ridley really still a must-start wide receiver in Fantasyland? And spoiler, guys, by our fantasy consensus ranks, it is not looking that way. Dwayne McFarland and myself both have him as our wide receiver 29 on the week. And Dwayne, as much as we have seen two boom performances over 100 yards, people are completely at panic station because Lord knows that one catch for five scoreless yards hurts that much more when it happens on Thursday night football. And you got to stare, you know, at your phone for the entire week and at this horrific start you got to your fantasy matchup so hey on you know the positive side of things we do see him clearly as you know a 1b 1c option with kirk and evan ingram in the passing game in terms of targets we also can just look at the ppr points per game and like he's within one of guys like devonta smith tyler lockett amari cooper who i don't think we're all quitting on i think a bit of the problem here has been sky high expectations after the huge week one after that video in august i've been running through the ladder really fast so for you joining is this just kind of misplaced expectations and we should still be happy about having him on the squad or is this just the point where you think it's christian kirk and everyone else in jacksonville yeah, I mean, you always have to go through the thought process of how would you feel about Calvin Ridley if you had been drafting him in like round six or seven of drafts? A lot of people would probably just move on. But because he got so steamed and we were taking him in round two, and I supported that. I mean, the last time we saw a fully healthy season from Calvin Ridley, he was the wide receiver four. And he's still in his prime. So why would that change? And honestly, he's a guy I've watched a lot of film of because like the performances haven't been there. He's open all the time. Yeah. He is open all the time. He beats double coverage. He beats press coverage. He beats man coverage. He beats, it doesn't matter. He's beating it all. I, again, I'm not an expert film grinder, but I mean, I watch enough and I study enough to know and I read what other people are posting. Like, I, Josh, I don't even have, just go follow Josh Norris. He has a running bit where he has to defend Calvin Ridley and post like snaps of his routes <laughs> every week where he's doing his part, but he's mostly operating outside the number outside the numbers. And the other thing is Christian Kirk is a good wide receiver and he gets to play inside against better matchups. He gets to play against linebackers some of the time, safety some of the time. And then, oh, by the way, if he's not available, you have Evan Ingram, who is a mismatch athletic tight end, especially when you get man coverage. And he's just running these little drag routes and running away from linebackers. Those are easy reads for Trevor Lawrence. The best thing I can equate this to, Ian, is remember when we were so excited about Mike Evans when Tom Brady arrived in town, and his targets actually went down. Why? Yeah. Because Tom Brady knew he still had Chris Godwin, and Brady was a smart enough quarterback to know that he also had Gronk. He would check it down to running backs. Tom was always that way. If he had, if he didn't have the right look, he was not going to force a ball down the field to his player that was outside the numbers, and that was Mike Evans. Now you get Baker Mayfield, technically a far less quarterback than what we know Tom Brady to be. Even at Tom Brady is still a better quarterback today sitting on his couch than Baker Mayfield. But... Baker doesn't care. Baker's just going to go live his best life and chunk the ball up to Evans. Different quarterbacks have different mentalities that we can't always 
understand. And I think that that is a wrinkle. That is an implication. I can't always measure it because we don't, it's hard for me to know like what, which quarterbacks have that trait, but it's starting to look more like Trevor Lawrence is, I don't want to call him a robot. Cause you can be robot. Isn't necessarily bad. Tom Brady yep. was a robot, but he was a good robot. Peyton Manning was a robot. He was, a, he was, he was a badass RoboCop robot, right? You know, this is not like, you know, some robot that can't kick ass. But right now with Trevor Lawrence, it's hurting Calvin Ridley because when he doesn't get the look he wants, he's not going to him. And how we see it is against man coverage. And man, Ridley torches man coverage historically. But this year against man coverage, he's going way more to Christian Kirk. And then the next in line has been Evan Ingram because of the mismatches. And then you have Calvin Ridley last. When it goes against zone, now the league plays zone 70% of the time. So that's what we care about the most. It's even across all three guys. So I, I still like Calvin Ridley. I still think he's a really good player. To your point, he's not a must start. But I do get trade questions about him a lot. Somebody today came to me and they're like, hey, I can trade away Calvin Ridley and get an upside running back and Tajay Spears. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Calvin Ridley has already shown me he's a really good player. Tajay Spears might be a good player. They both need a break in their favor to turn into must-start players. Tajay Spears needs Derrick Henry gone. If suddenly Christian Kirk or Evan Ingram is out of the lineup, we're going to feel differently about, about Calvin Ridley. Then you're probably going to get Trevor Lawrence saying, oh, I don't have this third read. I'm going to force more things to Calvin Ridley. So I think there's a lot of things going on. I think Ridley's still a really good player by all indications, watching the data and even, I mean, watching the plays and overall, like his data is still not terrible. It's just not what we wanted. And I think all mm. the context comes down to what we spent to get him. And that is causing some people to cling on a little bit too long. But he is benchable. He is benchable in leagues right now. But I, I still I still think rest of season, Ian, there are going to be good weeks for Calvin Ridley. It could be as early as this week. I mean, they are, you know, they've yes. had a long week to get right. They're facing a Steelers team, third most, you know, fantasy points per game, two opposing wide receivers. Again, yeah, you got to adjust the expectations. It sucks. No, I'm not putting them in my wide receiver one spot and forgetting about it the rest of the year. Still someone, though, I think you're going to feel more good than bad about starting the rest of the way. Also, just, you know, speaking of Evan Ingram, 51 targets without a touchdown this season, guys. That is the most in the league, unless Chris Goblin fails to score here on Thursday night. We're recording this Thursday afternoon. Goblin is only two away from taking that lead. So fun little leaderboard going there. And we also have that leaderboard going with our next question, guys, because I want to talk about what is the answer to this Broncos backfield? Because Chris, Javante Williams, NFL high at 77 touches without a touchdown this season. Now, in the early going, it did not look good. He did not even come close to resembling, I think, the sort of talent that we just saw on display during the first, you know, one and basically a quarter seasons of his career. But man, you look at, again, the performance in weeks six through seven versus one through four. The yards per carry has boomed from 3.6 to 5.4. Yards after contact has nearly doubled the missed tackles force or back to his gaudy usual numbers. Do you think Javante Williams is back, Chris, or is there enough competition from Jaleel McClellan and Samaje Pirine to continue to make this a situation where fantasy managers are yearning for more? I think it's less about Samaje Pirine. We start to see him tail off over the last couple of weeks. And to be quite honest, I'm wondering if it's in a similar situation with the, with the Bears, like we were talking earlier, where maybe the Broncos are ready to offload him. Honestly, like my Bengals could probably use a guy like Samaje Pirine. I think they actually had him at some point, but who's to say? Either way, 
but yeah, seeing Javante Williams actually get back up to 60% of the team's rushes this past week, and to your point, like the efficiency numbers start to bounce up, I think we can have at least a bit more faith about like what we can expect out of him moving forward. Like, I think it's almost like that same arc that uh, that Brees Hall was on like earlier in the season, where it was like had that slow start. And then we like each week it was a little bit more. We started to see like the even just from a snaps and then like a carry rate perspective, we started to see him creep up. And then the efficiency started to creep up. And then the uh, the receiving work, the utilization that from that standpoint, that started to kick up. So for since he missed, what was it? Week four, he missed. Uh, so he missed a game, came back. We've Five. seen. Oh yeah, week that's four, what it was. Week five. Thank you. Just five. Uh, yeah, my bad. yeah, Meek missed week five and then comes <laughs> back. Most of week four. I mean, he went down. Yeah. Four, yeah. That's what it was. Okay, thank you. Uh, missed that. Also has McClellan to deal with as well because McClellan, to his own right, has been ripping off. He's had, what, four explosive carries over the past, like, three weeks. Also, uh, also legitimate, like, efficient receiver, like, out of the backfield as well. So if, like, those two guys can work in that one-two punch kind of mode with Javante taking over the 1A type of work, we saw that this past week, I would have more confidence in that type of situation moving forward, especially if they completely phase out uh, Samaj P. Ryan, and, and, uh, if not this week, but in the weeks moving forward. I give a shout out to Jaleel McClellan. If Devin Achan did not exist, guys, we'd be talking about the number one running back in yards per carry, yards after contact per carry, and missed tackles force per carry. Just not as fun to watch in Denver versus Miami. Mainstream media will not tell. Is that really that how one. you say his name? McClellan? It's not McClellan? McClellan? It's just spelled. It looked like it would be. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I got to look it up. McClellan. Oh, McClellan. I'm going to it looks like Mc, I think of it because the way you spell laugh, L A U G H, laugh. So I think McLaughlin, M C L A U G H L I N. Ian, I know your excuse is you only watch all 22 film, or at least Get that's the words right out of my mouth, Dwayne. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to look it up and figure out, like, what, how do you pronounce, like, you know, put that into chat GPT. How do you pronounce McLaughlin? <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is great radio. While Chris is looking that up, uh, I'm a little less optimistic, but I, I do agree with like the trajectory that Chris talked about. We do just need to see P. Ryan go away, though, because even though his snaps are down, he keeps getting a third of the passing down work. And so I think that's the best path, though, that this thing just turned. I think McLaughlin has played well enough. I'm going to say it's McLaughlin for now, has played well enough that he's not he's not leaving the picture. Like he's going to stay involved because he's really been good when he's on the field. Javante, to your point, in is getting better. The big thing that really stinks here is this is the team that runs some of the fewest plays per game. They're in the bottom three, 55 plays per game. This is like Yikes. a real turd floater, man. This is like but that terrible this, defense this, too. How? I know. Yeah. I don't know. I but Yeah. So Sean Payton intentionally like this is a below. When you look at their uh, plays per minute over expectation, folks can check that out in the utilization suite. They are also ranked in the very bottom of the league. So he's running a slow offense. We're not getting a lot of plays. They're not a real efficient offense. In some games they are, some games they're not. They're kind of Jekyll and Hyde. So I think you're going to have a lot of variance. I think if you look at Javante, I like the talent profile. I think Chris is right that that's ascending in that area. Even though I think he's getting better, though, I still look at him as an RB3 the rest of the way, Javante, in most games. I think you're going to get some games like last week where the script works out perfect. You get the 15 carries you need, and you feel golden, but there's going to be a lot of weeks where that's like nine carries. You're going to be like, Lee, like another mm. stinky game from Javante.
And that is pretty much where we all have him ranked going into week eight. He's ahead of guys like Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Zach Moss, Chuba Hubbard, Amari DiMercato, but still behind, you know, the likes of Madison, Kareem Hunt, Gus Edwards, Darrell Henderson, amongst others. So final note, again, just from that chart, looking at kind of the best running backs at breaking tackles, yards after contact, independent of their kind of offensive environment. The other guy you see really up there in the top right corner, signifying the best running backs, Titans rookie Tajay Spears. And hey, guys, just saying, God forbid anything happens to Derrick Henry, whether it's a trade, whether it's them shutting him down. I won't even go into the other possibilities. Tajay Spears could be on the cover of each and every one of those waiver wire articles. If you have the bench spot, please, for the love of God, yeah, still available. Fifty-three percent of leagues. The last I yep. checked earlier today, so he's out yep. there a lot. Ash him. All right, guys. Two more quick ones here. Question number nine: Is Darrell Henderson really the new lead running back in Los Angeles? I'll throw this one to you, Dwayne. Just with the caveat that you know we actually did get some nice notes from Sean McVay on Monday, who said that he was pleased with both Henderson and Freeman, and noted you can expect to see, I would imagine, a similar deal this week, and then we'll see how Miles and Zach fit into that equation. So can't even just imagine being down worse than Zach Evans right now, now actually falling behind Miles Gaskin, who McVeigh admitted last week he barely even knew in the, uh, you know, coach speak pecking order. So you pretty confident we're going to be able to fire up Henderson for, you know, 15 plus touches per week, Dwayne, as long as Kyron remains sidelined? I think so. I mean, 18 carries and two targets in your first game off the couch. Now I know these guys keep themselves in shape. I know that you have a situation where Henderson knew the offense. But again, I don't think that's any excuse for why Royce Freeman should have been involved less. Like this guy was already on the team. He already knew the scheme. He was on the practice squad. He was in shape theoretically, and he couldn't outsnap Henderson. I think the gap is going to grow. And McVay has shown us in the past he's willing to ride one guy. We've seen it with Gurley. We've seen it with Cam Akers. We've seen it with Kyron Williams, which no one expected. So it's so funny how people will have these hard takes. There's no way Daryl Henderson's going to get that work. I'm like, well, no one thought Kyron Williams was getting that work either. Like, but here we are, a guy that everyone misses Wait, that was winning. Real quick, league. man. I, I think the best example was also mm -hmm. to that point, CJ Anderson, who was also just off yes. the couch and also yes. got a huge role. Yeah. Who torched the, our Cowboys in the playoffs? Just ah, ripped too them. Soon. Ran too it. Soon. Yeah, just killed them too soon. Yeah. So yeah, I, I do think I'll keep this one shorter. I know we're we, we got to get to the next question, but Daryl Henderson, I do think is here to stay. I think he gets even more utilization this week, and somehow, man, still available thirty eight percent of leagues. I don't know what confusing factor is happening. Kendall speculated that it was because when he went back to the practice squad, maybe a bunch of which has to happen after yeah, the game. Maybe a lot of people yeah. dropped him. He was dropped in twenty five thousand leagues, huh. like that is today. Wild. Now, he was the biggest, most picked up running back this week as well, but then all of a sudden there was this big drop, but he's only wow. rostered 38% of the time, or maybe there's just a data error over at Yahoo. I don't know, um, but I just thought that was weird, and I would throw it out there. He's still unrostered, though, in a decent amount of leagues, uh, and I think he's going to – he's a low-end running back, too, and we could be talking about him as soon as next week as a high-end running back, too, until you get Williams back, which is at least this week plus two more. Mm-hmm. My week's coming back. Maybe people had to squeeze some dudes off the rosters, but man, you better yeah, have maybe. a damn good reason to put Henderson anywhere near the waiver wire, let alone the bench at this point. Dwayne's RB22, my RB25. Good chance he should be in your starting lineups. Fellas, we're going to end this one like we always do with our bold call of the week. I'm going to go off and first say... 
Amari DiMercato, top 12 PPR finish, everyone. Cardinals actually lead the league in yards before contact per carry, facing a Ravens defense that is really, really good. I understand that, but their one, you know, just minor weakness has been defending the ground game, actually seeing the second biggest projected offensive advantage on the ground in combined yards before contact per carry. If you guys read Dwayne's utilization report, you would know that DiMercato had an elite 79% snap rate last week, separating from Keontae Ingram. I think he can push for 20 combined carries and targets at home. Amari DiMercato, maybe get him in the flex, maybe not. We'll see what happens. So, Dwayne, bull call for week eight. Yeah, my bull call is DJ Moore is going to go for 100 yards and a touchdown, Ian, okay. with T-Bag yeah. under center. It's kind of funny to me how we got two nice games out of fields Right. And everybody's like, oh my God, like we love DJ Moore. He's the best. And then now Fields is gone and oh, he's complete trash. Like I get it. Like he went down to 10 fantasy points and then 13, but still getting way too many targets to not be a guy that you'd want to have in your lineups more often than not. He had 30% target share week six. Last week he had a 35% target share. So that was nine. Here are his last four games 10, 10, 7, and 9. That's just too many targets to bench, period. And you have got a fabulous matchup, the best passing matchup in the league against the Chargers. They give up 335 yards per game through the air, 41.6 fantasy points per game to opposing pass catchers. That also is the most in the league. So I think the industry is just a little too, I, I get it. We don't like DJ Moore quite as much as when we have Justin Fields, but there's been a little bit of an overreaction in my opinion, because the one thing we have seen with T-Bag is he is accurate. Like he is hitting his targets. So when you're getting this many, yeah, we may not get the 150 yard blow up game. You're still going to have probably a better floor than what you think because of the accuracy and the number of targets that DJ Moore's getting. Chris sent us off my friend. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots. They get another win this week. They go, they take over the dolphins. Uh, they might be without Tyreek Hill this weekend based off. Nah, he's, like playing, he's playing. He's <laughs> playing. You think he's going to play? You right. want to he came statement. out and said today playing. he's going to play. Tua he said he's, well, yesterday said, he said they're not he's sure when they're going to get him back, and by that he meant the very next day. Oh, okay. All right, still. <laughs> I Well, actually, uh, still, I would You're still like stick put, with it. Oh, yeah, heck yeah. I mean, Kendrick Bourne right now, so top 20 amongst all wide receivers in air yard share. And targets so far, I mean, he's been like the, the Patriots, like wide receiver one. Uh, but still, I think a lot of the folks would think that he's been more like the volatile, like downfield guy. Without Juju Smith-Schuster on the field, like he's been leading them in slot targets. So if it is going to be a game that's with Tyreek Hill, like with Tua, it's going to be more up pace. I mean, that could be one that sets up for a decent shootout. And Mac Jones has been leaning on Bourne like, to be his wide receiver one. So I like Bourne for top 12 this weekend. Mac Jones hasn't played. Last time you went with the Patriots call, it worked out well. So See, yeah. I don't think we can question you. Patriots are like the only team I can get right. Apparently, like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get anything else right. It's just the Patriots. Got done with Jets, Cowboys, Saints. Have seen better versions of this offense against the Raiders and Bills. So good job, Bill O'Brien. Good job, Mac Jones. Keep on keeping on. Why the hell not? We'll keep on keeping on doing all the hard, dirty work for you guys in Fantasyland. So hopefully we can keep on marching towards Championship Sunday. Guys, I looked it up the other day. Only 60 or so days away. There's never been a better time to ignore your friends, ignore your family, and get those fantasy rosters in the best shape possible. So for Chris, the Cincy Storm. Chaser Allen for Dwayne The Rock McFarlane. I'm Ian Hardis. Thank you again for tuning in to Fantasy Life Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.